Hey everybody, what's going on? Welcome back to the Restaurant Growth Podcast presented by Seven Shifts. This week on the show, we're chatting all things labor productivity with Jim Taylor, founder of Benchmark 60. Jim is an industry vet who spent 13 years with the Cactus Club Cafe all throughout Canada, and now he's helping restaurateurs take control of their labor costs. We get into why it's not enough to just measure labor as a percentage of sales, and the whys and hows into measuring labor productivity. It's something both Jim and our team at Seven Shifts are believers in, and I hope you can take some of Jim's advice back to your restaurant and make some impactful changes. So I won't keep you waiting any longer. Here's our full conversation. Hey, Jim, how's it going today? Good. How are you? I'm well. Thanks for coming on the show today. Yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, of course. So uh, Jim Taylor, founder, uh, Benchmark 60. You can do it more justice than I can. So tell us a little bit about yourself. How'd you get started in the restaurant industry? Uh, I started in the restaurant industry when I was in high school. Um, you know, that that typical way to get into the restaurant, right? You've got a yep. buddy or a friend or someone who's, who's working in a restaurant and says you should come and work there. So I started <laughs> doing it because I wanted to try to make some tips and 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 just have some fun, right? So yeah, of course. Who knew it was going to a whole career? Absolutely. Um, and where'd you start out at? I started at a restaurant called Earl's in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Um, they're a pretty big company now. Uh, yep. they're all over Canada and the U S but yeah, they were just a little, little spot then. Nice. Um, yeah, that's where I got to start. And were you a dishwasher server? I did a little bit of everything. I did some dishwashing. I was an expediter. I was a bus boy. I was working at the front door. They wouldn't let me be a server. I wasn't old enough. I was <laughs> only 17. So yeah, I worked my way up. Nice. Um, and yeah, you worked way up and I guess your career. So I know you spent a number of years at Cactus Club Cafe. Talk me through that. What was that experience like? What was your role? Um, and how did the industry evolve while you were there? Yeah, it changed a ton. I, I had a really cool, uh, really good experience with them. I was with Cactus Club for right around 20 years, actually. Wow. Um, started, it, w- it was one of my, you know, early on restaurant jobs, just, uh, early in university and, and just kind of continued to work through pretty much every front of house position you can, you can kind of accomplish and, and take on there. Yeah. So I worked with them right through, you know, university. I, I did a whole bunch of, um, other education kind of, as I went, I moved around all over the country, opening new locations, took on a whole wow. bunch of different things, but you know, that, that company was growing and they were a really innovative, uh, company. So, you know, we were kind of at the, at the tip of the Canadian, you know, restaurant industry. And when it came to innovation in terms of food and concept and, and those kinds of things. So they're definitely a leader in the market. I was pretty lucky to have worked with them for as long as I did. And what was your ultimate role there? Were you in the corporate office? Yeah. So for about 10 years, I was, I was doing, um, executive regional management. Uh, I was working with profit teams and, and finance on, on different strategies and ways to continue to battle what was happening with just how the, the entire profit model with restaurants operates, right? Yeah. I mean, in Canada, minimum wage is $15 an hour and there's no tip wage. So, oh, right. uh, you know, if you're a server making 300 bucks on a Friday night, you still make $15 an hour. So right. as that was going, you know, as wages were climbing in the early, you know, 2015, 2016, we had to totally recreate the entire profit model because, you know, we were seeing 30, 40% increases in wages. Wow. You know, you just, it, that's like, it's just crazy. And everyone in the market was seeing it and it, it either forced people to change or, you know, some of them didn't make it. Right. So yeah, uh, it was an interesting, very educational time to kind of go through that transition in the industry in terms of how wages were being paid. What were the, the major takeaways and the major learnings for you? So what was it before, um, you sure. know, and as you were in that role, how did it change and, and how did you adapt and, and eventually succeed in that changing market? 
Well, I consider myself really lucky because I was overseeing the part of the business that was going to see that spike first. So I was kind of a kitty pig, to be honest. Yeah. Um, you know, I was sort of thrown to the the wolves, so to speak, in terms of um, we were be- we were paying ten dollars an hour, and we were given twenty four months notice before wages were going to be fifteen dollars an hour. So we were going right. to see a fifty percent increase in wages over two years. Right, and it really made us realize that the current profit model, the current way that restaurants operate, where they're constantly just trying to cut to hit targets. They're trying to work harder. They're trying to work longer. They're trying to work split shifts and all these different things in order to hit that labor target. It just wasn't going to work anymore. Yeah. Right. And, and we really realized that, um, you know, it was things like turnover cost. It was things like training. It was things like, um, you know, these, these different parts of the labor model that no one really spends all that much time thinking about those are some of the biggest areas of opportunity. Yeah. And, and, you know, we were just, we found that the concept of how productive the team was not individually, not how hard people work, but actually the whole business, you know, how productive and, and fluid the business was and, and trying to find ways to take better care of our staff, keep people around longer, you know, reduce turnover. Those types of things were where the big opportunity was. But we actually were, you know, it was a pretty cool uh, learning curve and learning experience for me because, you know, being at the front of it, it was about a two-year sort of project and case study that taught me probably more about restaurant management than I'd ever learned. And when you talk about the traditional labor model, is that kind of just saying like, all right, well, my labor cost, like almost an arbitrary number, I have to keep my labor cost percentage below this and I'm good. And then that never, you know, do you find that of course, you were finding that that wasn't going to work anymore, but a lot of the industry still operates that way with that number in their head. So I guess that kind of takes us a little bit to what you're doing now. So yeah. from Cactus yeah. Club Cafe to Benchmark 60. So talk about that right. transition and what you're what you're doing today. Yeah. So the first thing I, you know, it's funny. I think most restaurants operate in something like this. They're given a target by somebody that is a percentage of sales. Right. Yeah. And they say hit this labor target. Same thing with food costs and those other things. Right. But yeah. you know, we're talking about labor. So they come into the, the beginning of the week. They hope that Monday is busy. If they see the report on Tuesday and the percentage was higher than what they wanted it to be for Monday, they cut harder on Tuesday. Right. If it comes in high again on Tuesday, they cut harder on Wednesday. And typically there's some sort of conversation about let's hope the weekend's busy to bring that number back in line. Right. Right. And it's sort of this constant, you know, um, churn of chasing a percentage that there are so many variables involved in that the, the management, we did a case study on this when we were doing this project with Cactus, where we looked at every shift across 30 restaurants for two years. Wow. So, I mean, I can't even remember the number of actual shifts that was, but I mean, it's a lot, right? And we looked at the, we looked at what the target was. And on any given day, front of house or back of house, if the manager or sous chef actually hit their target on any given day, and it was less than 10% of the shifts, they actually achieved their target. I mean, that's crazy, right? And so, you know, it took us down a bunch of rabbit holes around HR and, and, you know, how people manage stress when it comes to hitting targets and all those other things. But um, yeah, it was wild how rarely they actually hit the target. Sometimes by the end of the week, it came in line. Sometimes by the end of the month, it came in line on the P&L. But the right. day-to-day fluctuation was was crazy. So, uh, um, you know, your question about Benchmark 60, 
that's what we focus on now is we, we're a data coaching service. We teach restaurant operators how to use information to their advantage so they can set better targets, so they can have better measurement and metrics so that they can leverage information and, and negate rising costs and, and remain profitable as these crazy, you know, increases in wages or oil and beef and all these things yep. are happening. Do you feel that that just like that labor cost as a percentage of sales, does that have any room in the industry, maybe for a small single location? That might be something they worth doing, but once you get to those multi-unit brands, do you just think it's not worth tracking or not worth using as a benchmark for yourself? It's, it's a result. It's not a strategy. So, you know, that's, we talk about that a lot, that it's a result, it's not a strategy. It's always going to show up on the piano. The bank is always going to look at percentages, right? I mean, that's right. how we, that's how we come to the profit number at the end of the day. Yeah. But just saying to a manager or a chef, you've got 10% labor costs, go out and hit it. It's almost impossible. Yeah. You know, if you consider the variables, how much people are getting paid, how the customer behaves or, you know, customer spend, I use the term customer behavior because it's actually how they're behaving, not how we are, right. but wage structure, menu pricing, customer behavior, weather, time of year, special occasions, you know, all those different, there's so many factors that go into, um, that, that percentage at the end of the day. And unfortunately, you know, part of the study that we did, it showed that the managers are under stress to hit these numbers. So they actually cut harder in so many scenarios, which is at the detriment. It yep. actually hurts the business because they're right. cutting harder. Now they're running short staff. Now their team doesn't have a chance to get to the customer to even sell anything, meaning it hurts the average customer spend and therefore hurts the percentage, right? It, I mean, it's this sort of vicious cycle. Yeah. So I believe that the metric uh, or the percentage be belongs in the industry as a sure. part of the P&L, but it definitely shouldn't be part of the strategy. Because there's too many variables going into actually trying to hit that number. And then I feel right. like probably what ends up happening, most of all is managers overcut because they're stressed about hitting the number. So they're stressed about that. Mm -hmm. And then they end up overworking themselves to make up for it, mm -hmm. um, which stresses them out and makes them probably leave or quit yep. a lot faster than they wanted to. And then the customer experience from that point is not as good as it can be because you don't have people that right. are happy to be at work and not stressed. And then there goes your profit from there. So it, like you said, it's a vicious cycle. So instead of tracking you using labor costs as that target, you're a proponent of labor productivity. So how productive, right. um, your workers are, what does that mean in the sense of a restaurant where maybe in a factory it's like, well, they're, you know, they're installing, mm. you know, 20 more parts an hour than they were because of some good training or something like that. But the restaurant yeah. industry, like you said, has so many variables. So how do you define and then measure labor productivity right. in the restaurant industry? Well, to your comment about the factory thing. You know, everybody first thinks that restaurants are a service business, right? Which they very much are, but they're definitely very much a product, uh, a production business too. Yeah. Right. You know, there's, I mean, kitchens are definitely pro, uh, based on production, but you know, front of houses, you can, you can apply the same types of measurements to front of house too. So if I, a quick sort of scenario here, let's say that you're DJ, the restaurant owner. Right. And you own a little 20 seat restaurant. Okay. If I told you that we knew we had a crystal ball and you knew that today from open to close, you're only going to serve 20 customers all okay. day from open to close. You'd probably do that by yourself, right? right? You probably cook their food. You probably bring their drinks. You probably bring them their, their check. You do it all on your own. If you're going to serve a hundred customers tomorrow, you might think about it a little bit differently. 
you might say, okay, I need someone to cook the food and I need somebody to seat them maybe or help clean it. Yeah. If the third day you're going to serve 400 customers, all of a sudden you're going to go, okay, hold on a second. I need a whole team of people because two or three of us can't serve 400 people on our own. That'd be really stressful. Mm-hmm. The customer experience would be really bad. You know, you would think about it in terms of that. But what if I, you know, again, looked in that crystal wall and said, well, only 300 and or only, sorry, only 20 of those 400 people. So 380 of them aren't going to spend anything. They're just going to come in and order water. Mm. You can't control if they're going to order a water or a filet mignon or who knows what, right? So it's really not about sales at the end of the day. It's actually managing labor cost is actually about customer experience. Mm. It's a, and staff experience. It's actually about the interaction and the relationship between customers and staff. So how we work with our, our customers or our clients or the restaurant groups that we work with is educating them on how the information and the data available will, will show them what's happening with the customer to staff relationship. If we can measure that, if you think about it, if you were going to have one staff member working, serve 10 customers, right? There's a sale that would be generated. There's a labor cost that we've generated. What if they serve 10.5 customers? Mm. What if they served 11 customers or 11.5 customers? Then what happens if you need a second staff member? What's the threshold? At what point do you need a second staff member? We can use the, the data available to help them make better decisions around them, rather than saying, how do I use half a person to serve 10 customers? Right. Eventually you get to the point where you can't do it with less people. Of course. Right. But the industry is notorious for trying to be as efficient as possible. And efficiency is about doing more with less. So that scenario around not being able to control how much the customer spends, that's, that's where we think the biggest opportunity lies in our industry is about looking at it more from a people to people output, you know, how much productivity does the business generate? Cause in so, that way, it's just like a factory. So do you measure like sales per labor hour or are you looking more at like actual one-to-one interactions? How many customers can someone serve regardless of what they order? Is that how you're looking at it? Yes. Okay. Yeah. You know, and, and I think in the back of house, the, the actual sales per hour worked is a very, very good measure because it actually is about how much food can one person produce. Right. But if right. you think about that sales per work hour in the front of house, if you're a server in a restaurant and I'm in the, I'm also a server in the, in the same restaurant and we have side-by-side sections. If you get sat a customer who's celebrating and they spend, they order steaks and wine and, you know, high ticket items, and I'm serving a family with little kids that order chicken strips, right? we have no control over that, but I served $20 a customer and you served 60. So that's, you know, my argument is that the sales per front of house hour worked is not a great measurement because it does mm. the same thing that labor cost percentages do. Because at the end of the day that, I mean, the amount of energy and effort it takes kind of probably evens out with those two, two things. Right. So that's, I mean, some would argue that it takes more energy to serve the family, right? But that's, that's fine. That's neither here nor there. Right. Well, you still need those customers. Depends on how rowdy the celebrating customers are too. You never know. That's true. Yeah. How much wine uh, they drink. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So measuring that labor productivity, what data do you use then? to measure that? Is it just number of customers served? That's one of them. Yeah. Okay. So we put 
the, we put basically four core pieces of data together, um, you know, in a way that helps us measure that. And really all that is, is, uh, um, the, the items that, that come together to create sales and labor costs. So it's average customer spend, mm-hmm. the number of customers that you're serving, the average wage that you pay your staff and the number of hours that you're using to schedule. Um, really it's, you know, quite simple. It's not anything that a, a restaurant operator wouldn't already look at. It's just how it's just how we put that information together that gives us a measurement. And once we measure that, we can leverage it. Once you're there and once you have that labor productivity measured and you know, you know what you're getting out of each of your staff members, I guess, what's the mm. next step, um, from there to kind of keeping those labor costs under control? Is it about cutting staff or is it about training and, and where can you make up the difference and increase the productivity, if you will? Cause I, I, I yeah. I'd be willing to wager everyone could probably do to increase it a little bit. Right. So in terms of, of, you know, being willing to wager, I, that that's an interesting conversation that comes up a lot because a lot of our clients will say, Hey, well, this restaurant in our group is not working well. Let's start there. But this one we think is fine. So let's not touch it. Mm. And I've never. You know, we, we worked with well over a hundred different restaurants last year alone. I've never seen a restaurant that couldn't stand to have even a 5% improvement in productivity. And to give you some perspective, if a restaurant does $3 million a year in revenue, Mm -hmm. a 5% improvement in productivity will give them somewhere between 80 and a hundred thousand dollars in opportunity. So I don't, I don't use the term savings because it's not direct savings. It doesn't all go to the bottom line, but opportunity is, is, is where that sort of falls. So, um, you know, it's what we would do is we would sort of go in and, and we would say, okay, here's how we determine a benchmark. Here's how we would, no pun intended. Here's how we determine sort of the target. Um, and then that 5% number, our goal is to find a 5% improvement in every restaurant that we, that we work with. And what that, it, what that usually ends up looking like is a combination of better staff experience, meaning their training is probably better. The turnover is lowered. The, you know, uh, the overall employee experience is improved and there is financial savings there. There's a direct correlation, right? If your training cost comes down and your turnover lowers, you're going to save money. Right. There is a, a direct um, correlation between improved productivity and increased revenue. So like I said, the, the productivity metric or that measurement is based on the relationship between the number of customers you serve and the number of staff you have working. So if you serve more customers, your revenue will go up. Right. And so how we would, how we would help to leverage that is every restaurant has a thousand different strategies that they're working on all the time, right? They're working on how quickly do you flip a table? How do you generate a boat time at the front door? How quickly do you, you know, how long does it take French fries to cook? All of those things, you know, there's a mil- there's a list of a million of those things. Yeah. And the interesting thing about that is that restaurants typically don't have a way to measure if they work on those, what happens, right? They right. would hope likely that sales would go up or they would hope likely that labor costs would come down, but there isn't really a direct measurement. And that's where the, the measurement around productivity comes in. If you increase the number of customers you serve by not losing customers at the door, by flipping tables quicker, whatever those things might be that you're working on, and you don't use more staff to serve those same customers, your productivity goes up. And if that happens, we can predict in- incredibly accurately, we can predict exactly what will happen to your labor cost. 
Right. Because you know what you're getting from the people that you have. Right. And then you can I mean, continue. Sorry. Yeah. No, no, no. You're, you're totally right. And, and we can reverse engineer that data because we know based on wage structure, menu pricing, all of those, all of the data that we look at, we know that a certain level of output or productivity in a certain restaurant will give us a certain labor cost. So as the productivity goes up, we know what will happen with the labor cost. Exactly what will happen. Not what we hope will happen. We know right. exactly what will happen. And so we use that a lot to reverse engineer targets for restaurant groups too, where we can say, okay, you're currently here. If you want to see a lower labor cost on your P&L, here's how to achieve that. Don't just go and tell your team to cut harder. Mm. Yeah. Which right now is, is happening a lot as wages go up and, and profit margins are shrinking. Or people are working harder to kind of make up for that too. And going into the employee experience, this impacts your bottom line, but it also yeah. really does have a big impact on the employee experience as well. They're not in fear of being cut as often, or they know what hours are going to get because the business knows what they, they're capable of. Well, that's part of it. So, you know, there are lots of restaurants that we've worked with that have actually taken the, the data that we've sort of educated them on how to understand and they'll go and start guaranteeing their staff certain hours because they know better what they can afford. But where the real benefit comes from in terms of employee experience is actually in stress level. Yep. On shift stress level. So as you can imagine, if, if you've got a, you know, thinking back to that factory example, if the conveyor belt that's bringing all of the product through your station when you work in a factory starts to speed up, eventually you can't handle that workload anymore, right? You start to miss things, right. you know, that it's going too fast. There's product getting past you. I mean, imagine you think about that. You're putting lids on something or whatever it might be, right? Right. Eventually the workload gets too much that you can't handle it. Mm. Well, the same thing happens in a restaurant, right? If a server or a bartender is, or if someone in a kitchen is working in their station, and it gets too busy, eventually they can't handle that anymore. And they miss sales opportunities, they miss interaction opportunities, they miss quality, they, the workload is too high that the stress level becomes, you know, too much and often they quit, right? Yeah. And so that's part of the turnover issue that exists in restaurants. So when we have set a productivity target for a restaurant, we know that if we see that information come in the next day or the next week, if that number is too high, it means that the staff, their workload was too much. Mm. They couldn't handle what was going on. So go back and check your team because it's like, it's, there's a good chance they didn't have a good experience that day. And it also gives you like a real way to measure how much they're doing as well. Because if you're not measuring productivity in that way, you don't really know. You only can go on based on what they're saying. Well, I was working too much or there were too many tables. It's like, well, you know, you don't really have a way to see that. So this kind of gives you right. an opportunity to see, make sure everyone's kind of working as much as they can be, but not a second or an ounce harder than yeah, they need to exactly. be. It's about um, setting the optimal output product and productivity number and then achieving that. And we can chop that information up in an almost endless number of ways. Yeah. So in a, an example is we, we were working with a restaurant, um, last month that was having some challenges with their labor costs. They wanted to find ways to get to the, hit this target, you know, and, and is it still achievable based on what we have to pay our people now and what our pricing looks like and all these different things. And so we did a bit of a, a project with them and actually determined that they were losing productivity most in their expediter and food runner positions 
on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday nights mm. specifically. So rather than the GM just telling his team or her team, cut harder, we're not hitting our target. We were able to take them and say, Tuesday, Wednesday, or whatever. So Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, I think it was. Yeah. These are the specific nights that you need to address this position. Right. And so they were able to go back with their team, work on the Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday nights with the people in those roles, improve the productivity and their labor target wasn't, um, an issue to, to achieve anymore. So we can really look at that information in lots of different ways and, and really find out exactly where the issue is. And I remember, um, you know, employee experience, of course, stress and has to also do with the, the amount of money they're taking home. My last question here, you know, you wrote on LinkedIn a week or two ago, I think about, oh, well, wages are going up. I get you know, restaurateurs. I can't afford to pay that. But you said, you know, a 1% increase in productivity can equal 50 cents wage. Right. Um, did I get that right? Yeah, it, it was a two, it's a 2% improvement in productivity will negate a 50, uh, 50 cent increase in wages. What goes into making a 2% say increase in productivity? Well, it depends on the restaurant, but so I always um, sort of the, the baseline model that we, we use quite often is that if a restaurant does around $3 million a year in revenue, and they're sort of in that $30 average spend range, mm -hmm. right? Your typical casual restaurant is somewhere usually between 20 and $30. So, um, a 5% improvement of, in productivity in one of those restaurants, which would negate way more than a 50, 50 cent increase in wages. Typically that's. If you can serve four more customers a day, it would do that for you. It would accomplish that. Four, four more customers, customers a day, day per person, like per front of house employee or just in general? Yeah. In general. So, you know, I, I used that example of how we manage wait times at the front door, right? right? If you've got your most junior person working at the front door, giving out quote times. All these people are coming at them saying, how, oh, where's my table? How long is the wait? You know, it's a pressure situation. They're not comfortable. They get stressed out. They give a bad quote time. And if one group of customers, four people leave because they didn't like the quote time they heard, there's, there's your opportunity. Right. Four customers a day is all it would take to get that, that improvement that we're looking for. So. Yeah. You know, like I said, there's, we don't, I, I think I've told you this before in other conversation, I will never teach a restaurant operator, at least I don't think anything operationally that they don't already know, right? They know their business better than anybody. Right. But what we do show them is how to measure and how to leverage all of those things that they're working on. What happens if, right? That's where, that's where this metric and this measurement really makes an impact. Yeah. It's kind of showing people where to look instead of, um, you know, telling them they need to look at things different. Well, I guess it is look at things differently, but you know, it's like you said, it's all stuff you already know. It's managing wait times. It's, it's time, you know, sure. from running food, taking orders, um, and all of that. So, um, you know, with that, I think if a restaurateur wants to work with you or, uh, you know, work with benchmark 60, where do people come find you? LinkedIn's the best. I mean, we okay. spend a lot of time on LinkedIn. I think, you know, trying to make sure that we generate relevant content and, and making sure we're sort of staying in front of people that LinkedIn's the best. Um, they can find us on, on our website, benchmark60.com or on Instagram at benchmark60. You know, we're trying to make sure that we're, we've got a presence everywhere, but yep. it's, we're really just on a mission to change the way that the, the restaurant industry looks at, at the whole labor model, because it, it's not just about profit. You know, a lot of it's about employee experience 
lowering turnover, lowering stress, making people want to work in this industry. Absolutely. It's a great place to work. It's a ton of fun as long as you're in a good environment. I think it's, it, at the end of the day, the biggest thing you can probably do is improve that employee experience and everything else will improve from there. Absolutely. Well, Jim, thanks so much. Yeah. Thanks very much for having me, DJ. Pleasure. Thanks again for checking out the Restaurant Growth Podcast. We're glad to have you as a listener. For more great content from Seven Shifts, check out our website and blog, sevenshifts.com slash blog. You can also hit us on all of the social media platforms at Seven Shifts. Thanks.